Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bet MGM is pitching baseball fans a chance to swing for the fences. Register using code CHAMPION200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any Major League Baseball game and either team hits a home run, regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with Bet MGM's daily promotions at your fingertips all season long. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use code CHAMPION200 to win $200 when you bet $10 on an MGM. MLB game and either team hits a home run. Sign up today and find out why nothing beats a win at the King of Sportsbooks. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Virginia only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-888-532-3500. Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means. Cooking out, diving in, and soaking up a whole lot of sunshine. The Home Depot has everything you need to start your summer right. Upgrade your cookout game with Traeger grills and smokers. Then gather around a new Hampton Bay patio set with family and friends. It feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot with savings on summer fun. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, uh, welcome to Urban Health Weekly. I'm Tamara, and I'm here with my friends Lou and Jackie. Hello, people. Hello. How are you guys? Good, good, good. I'm all right. No, no complaints here. It's freezing here. So cold. Oh, oh my, my God. God. It's so cold. I don't even want to exercise. And I like exercising daily, but it's so cold. I can't even like get my body to cooperate and like put on gym clothes and and get you know and get on I just can't I can't I can't get myself into it it's terrible Mm. absolutely terrible I don't know what I'm gonna do maybe I I find cold really zaps motivation I'm telling you it's like all you want to do is like throw the covers over your head and stay warm and stay perfectly still and just like marinate in your own like heat that's all I want to do. And it's not like I'm not well rested. I am well rested. But all I want to do in the morning after I get my little one ready is I just want to throw the covers over myself and sleep. The other day, I just fell asleep on the sofa right where I sat down. I was like, oh, I just need to sit for a minute. And then I just fell asleep. I just killed over. It's, it's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> the dog this morning ran right back into the house. He was like, oh, it's so cold. He didn't want to like, 
do his business and linger or nothing. He was yeah, like, that's the other oh, thing. The dogs yeah. they don't they don't you know usually they like to stay outside and enjoy mm -hmm. the and stuff. Absolute quiet this morning, <laughs> which is, which is <laughs> that never happens. But <laughs> but uh, that's what happened this morning. It was so cold. It was like all right, we're just gonna do our business and let we're us in. Hurry up! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So we have an interesting show uh, for today, but first of all, before we get into the topic, which is we're going to be talking about what's going on with ASCO, that is the American Society for Cancer and Oncology, Ooh. I want to talk about something interesting that I saw in the New York Post yesterday, okay. and that is, bam, spike in autoimmune diseases blamed on fast food. I'm just, that's, that's the mic dropping. I'm dropping yeah. It's about time. So listen okay. to this. Are you groaning? Yeah. Why are you? I, you know, I grew up on Mickey D's and Bob's Big Boy. Bob's Big Boy. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never even laid eyes on a Bob's Big Boy. Oh. Did a whopper. Yeah. I did, however, see the Fat Boy that you were telling me about, that Fat Boy franchise. Oh, yeah, Fat Boy. I had to laugh when I I don't know that franchise. Have you heard of it, Fat Boy? No, no. That, oh, it's a New York franchise. That's yeah. why. Yeah, he was telling me about it. And I was just like, the name was just, it just sounded so gross. Like, <laughs> who, who, could, who would come up with a name like that? But then I was driving, I think I was driving uh, in uh, Bed-Stuy. Uh -huh. And then I saw Fat Boys coming soon. And I was like, oh my God. So apparently this thing is bigger than I thought. Yeah. And it has more than one location. Well, what is it? What is it? It's just a place for, it's like a, a fast food place that you get all kinds of, well, you can tell. Well, yeah, I mean. It's a place, it, 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 I don't know, you, you don't really feel Is it burgers? Because yeah, burgers. everything is kind of like on the plus side in terms of portions. <laughs> and, uh, you don't ever have to ask for super size. It just automatically it, it's everything is size. That's the small. Large. Everything is large. <laughs> and, wow. Um, and hey, you know, there's there's never a good time for pizza to be stopped made. So pizza for breakfast is absolutely acceptable. <laughs> oh my wow. The civilization is just crumbling as we <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> but listen to this. Disorders of the immune system are on the rise everywhere thanks to the global popularity of the so-called Western diet. Autoimmune diseases, including type 1 diabetes, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis have spiked in recent decades, according to scientists James Lee and Carola Venusa at London's Francis Crick Institute. Numbers of autoimmune cases began to increase about 40 years ago in the West. That's what uh, Lee told the Guardian Observer in an interview. However, we are now seeing some emerge in countries that never had such diseases before. Lee pointed to cases in Asia and the Middle East, which has felt the boom of the fast food industry during that time, and which has seen the biggest recent upswing in inflammatory bowel disease. Before that, they had hardly seen the disease, he said. Autoimmune diseases arise out of the immune system's inability to differentiate invading organisms from local tissues, prompting immune defenses to attack healthy cells too. Inflammation due to repeated immune response can cause long-term damage to the affected organs and tissues and also lead to cancer. Today, an estimated 24 million Americans 
Nearly 7% of the population suffer from one of this uh, group of illnesses. That's according to uh, the U.S. National Institutes of Health. Their studies have shown an increase in the prevalence of autoimmune disease biomarkers in those age 12 and up from 22 million Americans between 88 to 91 to 41 million between 2011 and 2012. Yikes. I know. Human genetics hasn't altered over the past few decades, Lee explained. So something must be changing in the outside world in a way that is increasing our predisposition to autoimmune disease. The news has said fast food diet lacks certain important ingredients such as fiber and evidence suggests this alteration affects a person's microbiome, which is the collection of microorganisms that we have in our gut and which play a key role in controlling various bodily functions such as immune function. These changes in our microbiomes are then triggering autoimmune diseases of which more than a hundred types have now been discovered. Well, you know, they started out swinging, uh, which I found myself saying, finally, someone is speaking facts here, right? And mm. then they mucked it up with this nonsense. They said, we have lots of potentially useful new therapies that are being developed, oh. all the time, but we don't know which patients to give them to because we now realize we don't know exactly which version of the disease they have. That's from Venusia. Okay. They remind us that there are currently no cures for these diseases. Growing numbers of people face surgery or will have to have regular injections for the rest of their lives. That's Lee speaking. It can be grim for patients and a massive strain on health services, hence the urgent need to find new effective treatments. What? what, what? Therapies? Uh, no prevention. No prevention. What are they talking forever? about, right? Oh. Like exactly... They had me until they said that part, you know, to, the, to me, the answer is amazingly simple, severely limit the amount of fast food you eat, eat foods that are less processed as close to their original state as possible, fruits, salads, meat, not uh, tucked between buns, and that even mold <laughs> won't to eat. You want convenient food? Eat a piece of fruit. Hungry? Eat a giant colorful salad with lean protein in it and lots of avocado to fill you up. At the very least, have some greens with whatever meal you're having or replace your fries or whatever starch with something green. I know people call it rabbit food. People are like, I'm not a rabbit. I don't eat rabbit food. But this is what we need to do to counter the scourge on our health system that is fast food. That's what we need to do. Why won't people say that? Why won't health experts just say it? Why won't, are they afraid of being sued? What do you think? What do you think, guys? I think those guys... Uh are maybe industry people. That's, that's the feeling I get. They I mean, or do you people. think they're really in the dark? Uh, I can't imagine. I, they, they must be coming from a position of trying to develop a therapy, uh, develop a medication, and they're not thinking about prevention at all. They left that completely off the table. By the I way, know. can I just add this? It's a, I, I will say that the number of I'm always shocked by the number of scientists who end up dying of cancer. I can't tell you how many people I've interviewed and then find out later that their partner died of like some cancer or something. Oh, there were three of you in the study. Oh, where's the other one? Oh, he or she died of cancer. So maybe there is something to, to. I don't know that. I don't know that the studying and the uh, and the taking action are necessarily the same thing. It's like having insight but changing your behavior. I'm sure they can be connected, but I don't think they're necessarily inevitable. So is that what you're thinking? I mean, yeah, I, I think, I think there's, I think there's a, I don't know if it's denial, 
or this can't happen to me, or this removal, you know, this kind of once removed quality from, well, here's the data, but it doesn't affect me in reality. So it's just like abstract thinking. I think it's abstract in some way. Okay. Because for you to have this data and know this data and know that these things are either that or you fully, fully have bought into that these chemicals that the FDA generally regards as safe really are safe. I mean, I'm not really sure, you know, maybe they look at the the chemical components and they say, "Mm, sounds good to me. It doesn't sound harmful. And they don't realize that it's, it's destroying them. I mean, what do you think, Lou? I think again, this Lewis, Lewis is really he's quiet. Like, <laughs> life, the, the really entire life, the my life is just He does not want to have to think about his food being uh, okay. Yeah, I know. He wants here. to eat what he wants to eat, and he doesn't want to think about yeah. it. We had fast food yesterday. I hate to say it, we pulled right through Wendy's. We've been doing it. It's uh, my little guy's birthday week, and he just wants that addictive fast food and i'm it's terrible hard with kids it's really it's hard, hard with kids. it really yeah. is hard with yeah. kids it is a little addictive but but let's uh let's start unpacking first of all you know the term fast food is like an all-encompassing thing all uh, right and it really is what it says fast food you know something that's assembly line you can just go and get um you know a little bit beyond the you know the package thing that you would get at a store um, so, and it's made to be that way. It's not made to be a staple in your diet, the way a lot of people use it. Secondly, <laughs> if you go to a fast food restaurant, let's say in Europe, you're getting a completely different, you know, you, you, yeah, that's true. Yep. You get a Burger King over there. It tastes a lot better. The, the ingredients are more natural. And that's because yeah. they, they have different food standards. That's they have, for sure. Yeah, different food Do they standards, use pink slime in their nuggets? That's what I'd like to know. I don't think so. I don't think that they allow that. Kind allowed? Of their food supply no, They at don't all. allow they have the, laws. the processed stuff. No. And- the U.S. had sued the European Union many years ago for not, not importing their food because the European wow. Union, we don't want your garbage. Yeah. You know? They have a different standard. I remember as a kid right. living in Europe, we used to go to McDonald's as like a special thing so we could get right. a little dose of American. And um, they served um, like roast chicken at the McDonald's in the Netherlands and France. Like it it was a different menu. And, and because I didn't like burgers as a kid, I okay. ate roast chicken. Which, ah. I remember coming back here and being like, what? No roast chicken? Like, <laughs> yeah. I remember um, when um, I was a teenager and remember the old food pyramid where the, like, yes. the majority was like the carbs and stuff like that. And then yes. you know, the next was the meat and the cheese. It was next. Right. I remember thinking, yes. That, yes. And then I remember thinking when I got a burger and fries, because when I was growing up, we didn't eat that stuff. That My mom cooked, my dad cooked. We very, very rarely had McDonald's, like very rare occasion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I was a teenager and a little more in control of like, you know, what I could get my hands on, I, used, I remember thinking like, oh, I've got all my food groups here. I've got my starches. I've mm. got my meat yeah. and cheese. <laughs> Yeah, you see like a box of cereal and be like, oh, my food pyramid. I remember that when yeah, I was- exactly. And you felt like you and you felt like and you felt like you were getting a balanced meal. Like that yeah. was but you know, yeah, I, and I mean, that's probably what a lot of people still think. At the top, or I should say the bottom, because they're not really at the top, it's it's the most uh, the most harmful foods you'll find in the McDonald's, Burger yeah. Kings, uh 
um, you know, Popeyes, Arby's, all, all of those Popeyes. are just pre-packaged, pre-formulated foods uh, in terms of in terms of where you know they just in and out, very little choices and all that. Then the next level down, um, and I don't even know if these guys are still around. You remember Arthur Treacher's Fish and Chips? Uh, I remember Arthur Treacher's. They used to be yeah. at King Plaza. Right, right, right. You, you get I never that, ate there, yeah. but I remember them. You, you get that type of uh, Boston Market. Um, oh, yeah, Boston Market, sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, to an extent, Applebee's, uh, all, all those. They, they're, they're kind of a, a larger menu, but it's all prepackaged. Every, every store gets the same thing. It's to be sold and made. It's, it's all bioengineered stuff and not really good for you. Uh, in terms of in terms of on a long term basis, you can get away with it one day. It's it's not a problem eating one day. But listen, a lot uh, of a lot of uh, families, you know, they give their kids Boston Market because yep. it feels like a meal because you get it feels food. more like a meal. Yeah, right. I mean, right. That one's a better choice. Potatoes, you got your meat, and remember right. that was the thing—the meat and potatoes. Remember, right. <laughs> like, right. you gotta realize in order to ha have a standard fare and keep their costs down, which is very important for fast foods. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be pre-processed. Everything has to be, you know, long shelf life. Uh, it's all coming out of one place. There's very little natural to be had there. Then you get, you know, let's go down to the next level of chains, which provide a healthier meal. So you start getting your Outbacks, your uh, your Olive Gardens, your there's, uh, there's some yeah, cooking going on. Healthier? Yeah, the Red Lobster. They're they're healthier. They're not healthy, but they're healthier. They're you mean they're less unhealthy? Right. So they're less unhealthy. Okay, go ahead. That's why I'm saying this is a pyramid, but I'm not sure who's at the top and who's at the bottom. Um, they do have salads, you know, especially Olive Garden has plenty yes, of salads. Yes, all the and salads all you can eat, yeah. But it, it's not, even the salad ingredients that they use are not what I would call quality stuff. There's not a lot of variety in it. A lot of it is just leaf lettuce that doesn't have a lot. Oh, of yeah, leaf lettuce. That's not really. <laughs> yeah. So, so my feeling is that. You mean iceberg lettuce? Yeah, iceberg, iceberg lettuce. Yes. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the iceberg lettuce. Yeah, so I wish. Leaf yeah, lettuce. yeah, leafy, yeah. <laughs> so, so, and a lot of bread, you know, those endless bread baskets that are, they're, they're really designed to get you full. Yes. And, oh. And, and, uh, so, so when you look at that as an outsider, you know, there's not a lot of help there. And what, what starts with fast food is that first, at first you say, okay, I did it tonight because I was in a hurry. Then it becomes once a month. Then it becomes your Tuesday meal. When you realize it, it's part of your diet three times a week. And now we're getting into the danger zone. Right. It's convenient is what it comes down to because we're also strapped for time and scheduling. And there's so much like driving around and yeah. I wonder, I wonder, this is just, you know, I wonder if people watched a little less TV, let's say, do you think people would have more time to prepare meals? Or do you think if people spent less time on the internet, do you think I'm, people would have more time for meal prep? I'll I tell you. I don't know. I, I think um, fast food. And I'm not placing a value judgment. I'm just asking the question. I'll tell you what I think. I think that fast food has been rigged in a certain way that is so especially addictive and hyper palatable. Oh, my God. 
I constantly get the thing where like, I've got food I'm making or I'm making this and it's not, and not that I'm such a great cook, but mm-hmm. it's not up to snuff. It doesn't have enough flavor. It doesn't have the right, it's not as delicious and it doesn't provide a craving right. that uh, my kid is craving constantly. Like last night I gave him uh we'd already had Wendy's for like, <laughs> we'd had Wendy's like after school as a special treat. And then, I went to give him something light for dinner and I gave him some vegetables and then I, and he's like, I'm hungry, mom. So I brought him an apple. He goes, no, mom, I'm hungry. I go, I guess you're not really hungry because if you were hungry, you'd be eating an apple, but you want specifically a bowl of ice cream, like that confusion. Yeah. Of like what's hungry and what's yeah. a craving. Right. I mean, he's got cravings. We crave wow. those things. You but know, that goes back the to the gut microbiome. Like the, the I agree. There's yeah. no fiber going on and I there's no fiber going on in uh, Yeah, and so what happens is the 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 biome, you know, that's that's not good for you is basically controlling your your you know, your desire to eat certain foods. Yeah. It literally wants you to eat more of the same kinds that of foods. Feed the wrong microbiome. That's right, exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, you were thought with the pandemic, you know, if and I don't believe that the, the fast food is just because people don't have time. I think it's a it's a lack of prioritization because with the pandemic- That's an excellent anything, point. Yeah. With the pandemic, we would have seen the fast food places be really hit because people are working from home, large numbers of working To me, it's a reason to get out of the house yeah. and go through a drive-through. I think I that or, uh, you, you, you know what? A lot of the grub hubs and all that are delivering, you know, I, and I see that uh, from experience from uh, being a nosy neighbor, looking out my window a lot, where I see my neighbors getting grub hub deliveries from Burger King and all that. Oh, you're paying for grub hub and you're getting Burger King. That's, that's, you know, what's the excuse for that one? You, You know what I'm saying? And 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 at the end of the day, I, I just think that it's you know if if that if if it was a time issue with the pandemic, we would have seen these numbers go down. And by these numbers, I'm talking about the earnings because you know I'm all I'm, I'm yes, the, that's true. The business guy, the earnings yeah. for McDonald's is skyrocketing. The Chipotle is double what it was, and all of these places. That's outrageous. Just think of all the. Like my kid craves Taco Bell. Like that is the worst, most unhealthy. And I was like, let's eat at like a delicious burrito restaurant Uh that where they make burritos at home. Yeah, well, he he poo-poos my burritos. Like I think they're fine, but he, Uh you know, he wants that extra. Also, it's the specialness. My mom cooked all these meals. We ate at home all the time. I always wanted the specialness of going out. Like, oh. I don't know. I wanted takeout all the time mm-hmm. as a kid. It's terrible, even though I didn't get takeout very often. So I, uh, that's interesting. All I know yeah. is takeout. Um, he, he would have door dashed or grub hubbed Taco Bell. I was like, no, you aren't. If we're going to do something <laughs> like that, like, that would have really offended me. Oh no, you better don't. <laughs> right. But it is, it is really like super cheap. It's super fast. It's super predictable. That that's exactly right, right with that stuff. I mean, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? These, these companies can do better and they mm-hmm. should do better. Oh, that's a different perspective. Now you're saying they have a responsibility to do better. No, I'm not saying they have a responsibility to do better. They should 
big. I'm they saying they can, well. they can, and they should do better. There's nothing that's that's saying that they have to do better, but so many people rely on the. They make money hand over fist. There's no reason why they're using the the lowest common. By the way, our McDonald's doesn't have salads anymore. Have you noticed because that? Nobody wants them. Nobody wants the only them. I was the only person. And if you're a salad eater. You don't want a McDonald's. Yeah, I mean, that's just that that's just what the parent has. That's what the parent has while the kids get the other stuff. Yeah. That's, and you that's you know, and if you're a person that, bother that, now. That, right. And if you're a person that eats a salad, you're not trusting a McDonald's salad because right. it's probably not, you know, it's it's not packed with with nutrition. Like if you made a salad on your right. own or if you went it's to like a, a fake specialized salad. like <laughs> sweet peas or sweet greens or something like that right. that specializes in salads. You know, that's where you're going to go if you're going to get a salad or you're going to make right. a salad at home. Mm -hmm. So right. they they have to go where the money is, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Right. It's it's a shame. But I think people need I think people are just like super um, uninformed mm -hmm. about food. And I think if more people knew better, they would do better. At least that's my hope. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Piggybacking on that. Here's some interesting um did you know that cells accumulate cancer-causing mutations as we age? Mm. Back to my <laughs> theory that aging is an accumulation of injuries. So maybe well, that's telling you. <laughs> yeah, aging is injury. I thought it was an accumulation of annoyment, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> paying bills. That's a new word, annoyment. <laughs> cells with cancer-causing mutations become increasingly common as people age. That's according to findings published in the journal Aging and Cancer. To understand how cancer develops, researchers, researchers have been keen to examine genetic changes in human cells at different ages. Advanced sequencing technology has helped show that large numbers of human cells carry oncogenic, that means cancer-causing, uh, mutations, even in people who have not yet developed cancer. According to the National Cancer Institute, about 40% of people will develop cancer over the course of their lifetime. So this of course means the majority of people won't develop cancer. To understand the genesis of cancer, we need to look at normal tissue. That's from Dr. Edward Evans, um, PhD of the University of Colorado and Schutz Medical Campus. By the time it's developed into cancer, all the mutations are there, and we don't always know which ones are contributing to the actual genesis of cancer. Evans and James DeGregory, PhD, carried out a meta-analysis of genetic sequencing data in normal tissue to ID mutations that are usually found in cancer cells. They also quantified cells with oncogenic mutations that were seen in people without cancer. They focused on so-called somatic mutations, those are the ones that develop over time, not the inherited ones, like say a BRCA would be a, an inherited gene mutation. With age, the proportion of cells with all three categories of cancer-related genes rises greatly. In people who are elderly, more than 50% of cells possess oncogenic mutation across various tissue types. Researchers noted that older people without cancer have around 100 billion cells with at least one cancer-causing mutation. Crazy, right? Wow. But we have about 3 trillion nucleated cells in our bodies. So to put it in perspective, 100 billion cells with oncogenic mutations isn't a majority of our total number of cells. That's from Evans. The rest of the article gets into their work and you know, you can read that if you're curious, a link will be in the podcast website. But I have to say, I find this fascinating and now I will probably panic a lot less when <laughs> my 
CA125 blood test. That's okay. the blood, the cancer, that's called cancer antigen 125. And it's a, a test to, to, uh, to see the cancer levels in your blood. It's mostly used for ovarian cancer, but it's not terribly reliable because it picks up other kinds of uh, cancer cells in the body as well. So that's why I'm not going to panic because it goes up a teeny weeny bit every few years. And it was starting to make me nervous. Like, oh no, I'm going to get cancer if this keeps up in like 20 years. But no, not now that I'm reading this, I'm like, no, not so fast. Pause. It's, it's all right. <laughs> How did so, you get the, uh, the cancer 125 test? Your doctor 125. Oh, my gynecologist does it um, every oh. year, well, not every other year, but every year because of my BRCA mutation. Ah. Right. So, so we're on the lookout for this stuff to see, because there's no real screening for ovarian cancer. So that's why we do the CA125 every year, which it's not perfect, but you know, it keeps an eye on things. All right. So I don't know. So what do you guys think of this? I'm all in favor Lou, you're 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 an older person. Oh. <laughs> what do you think? Well, Wiser. The, the men's health. The men's health. Why would you say it with suspicion? Like you're not older. You are not older. Today. <laughs> not today. you don't feel yeah. older. You don't feel older today. I don't know. I hate. I hate. You sound like, like Wendy Williams. I, I feel young. I sound like the cold. <laughs> anyway, you're um, not the caboose. Well, when it when it comes to men, you know the the most the likely type of cancer is prostate cancer. Right. There is a. You that's know, the, the that's the, the cancer that you'll die before you die of prostate yeah, but, cancer. Oh, so just because you don't get it, all right? Uh, no, I'm yeah. not. You Listen, know, all right. I'll, so, I'll like, I, I won't get. You know that. You know, but I, trans women have to worry about prostate cancer. As as long as they you keep it inside, yeah. Um, so you know, when it comes to uh, prostate cancer, uh, you know, there's a there's blood test that you take that the that PSA PSA and and hopefully uh, it's prostate you know, specific and yeah, yeah and that it gives you an indication that there might be a problem uh, and it's very you know it's it's rather reliable percentage wise it's it's rather reliable it's a pretty good indicator uh, for women you know there's there's a lot of other uh, factors that come into play, especially for breast and ovarian. Uh, and I'm all for testing. I'm all for testing. Um, I think we, we should test. I, I think the body degenerates in different uh, over time. And some of it is due to the environment. Some of it is due to genetics. And some, I hate to say it, some of it is due to random. Or... You know what these doctors found, mm -hmm. by the way, in this article? They found that the majority of these cancer cells line the digestive mm -hmm. tract. Ah, eat your fiber. Eat whole exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so I think you know, with that, we, we're going to have to take a break now. But today's topic uh, really ties into what we've been talking about. Well, it's all um, leading up to it. I'm just but, asking yeah. you what you're. Yeah. Well, what I think is that testing is great. Testing is great. What Louis I, thinks is that he's he's going to miss his uh, his fast food. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still upset about the first Between, thing. Yeah, he's still reeling from, yeah. from the... Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Yeah, the, the final blow to his, uh, his idea that uh, the fast food is generally fast food. regarded as safe. Yeah, but you know, like we entered a car wash of life as a baby, and we come out as an old dude. You know, as an old. I mean, something happens in there. You you know. uh, Yeah, but do you really want food to speed it up? Or well, that's the whole thing. You you want to be in that car wash for as long as possible. Yeah, you want, and you want your quality of life to be as you know. These people are talking about injections and drugs. I mean, come on. Yeah. It's as obvious as the nose on our faces, but okay, I'm going to get off my little soapbox on that. We're going to take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about um, gastroenterology and uh, cancer disparities, GI cancer disparities, when we come back. GI, that's the American Society of Cancer and Oncology, GI, is literally right upon us. Well, not upon us, but upon you GI professionals. And that is January 20th to 22nd in San Francisco and online. And a lot of what's on the menu is the discussion of equity or lack of equity in GI cancer screening and care. It's official. Summer is almost here. The sun is getting brighter. The days are getting longer and your lawn is ready for some love. Get everything you need for a season spent outside with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. Manicure your yard to perfection with lawn care tools from RYOBI. Then get your garden going with vegetables and herbs from Bonnie Plants Harvest Select. Plus mulch and soil from Vigoro and EarthGrow. Get your lawn as ready as you are for summer in the sun. Feels like Memorial Day at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. One of the things is about racial disparities that are persistent in GI cancers and beyond. Studies have shown that racial and ethnic minorities receive a lower quality of health care, even when income and access are taken into consideration. Rates of screening for cancers are low in minority patients and death rates due to disease are disproportionately high. Between 2010 and 2016, the five-year relative survival rate for white patients across cancer types was 68% compared with 62% for Black patients. Overall cancer incidence rates for Black men were the highest reported at 540 per 100,000 population, compared with 501 per 100,000 for white men. Further, mortality rates for all cancer sites combined was 186 per 100,000 for Black patients versus 162.9 per 100,000 for white patients. Let me just stop here and point this out real quick. These numbers don't sound that far off, you know, mm-hmm. 68, 62, 540, 501. Right. 
But when you consider that Black people only make up about 15% of the U.S. population, you can see why these, yes, you can see why these numbers are troubling. Okay. Okay. So uh, in GI cancer specifically, data has shown that because that's a really high number for the po- for the population. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. If you're, if you're 80% of the population and you have these kinds of numbers, then those numbers are easily absorbed and it's actually a smaller number. When right. you're a much smaller group and you have those numbers, it's a huge number. So in GI cancer specifically, data have shown that Black patients display a higher incidence of colorectal cancers compared with other ethnic groups. In data from 2012 through 2016, the incidence rates of colorectal cancer in Black patients were approximately 20% higher than in non-Hispanic white patients at 45.7 per 100,000 and 38.6 per 100,000 population respectively. These trends extend by sex as well. In non-Hispanic Black men, the incidence of colorectal cancer incidence was 53.8 per 100,000, compared with 44 per 100,000 in non-Hispanic white men. The incidence rates were 39.9 per 100,000 for Black women and 33.9 per 100,000 for white women. Black patients also have a higher mortality due to colorectal cancers when compared with other groups. The mortality rate due to colorectal cancer was 19 per 100,000 for Black patients compared with 13.8 per 100,000 for non-Hispanic white patients. The greatest disparity was observed between Black men and non-Hispanic white men with reported mortality rates of 23.8 versus 16.3% per, uh, 16.3 per 100,000 respectively. Disparities also exist, I know, right? Disparities also exist in other GI cancer types. For example, in a review of patients with pancreatic cancer, investigators reported that non-Hispanic white patients were offered surgical resection more often than Black patients. Black patients were also more likely to refuse surgery than non-Hispanic white patients and were reported less likely to receive chemotherapy. Marcus S. Noel, MD, an associate professor of medicine at Georgetown Lombardi Comprehensive Cancer Center in Washington, D.C., had this to say to Ancline. Race is a poor proxy for ancestry, which is linked to genetics. Certainly, there are some genetic differences that may play a role in cancer disparities, but I would argue that a larger piece of the disparity is actually due to socioeconomics, insurance, and other factors. So, let me ask you guys, what do you think is at play here? I mean, I have my opinion, but I want to hear what you guys think. I'll tell you what I think. I think insurance, definitely. I think, um, do you think maybe there's, um, well, unequal access, probably. Right. Um, maybe less proactive uh, and less faith in testing. Is that possible? Um, um, yeah, I think all of those, I think there. that's yes. I think all of that is is true. What do you think, Lou? It's all of the above. I, I think they, there's a a cultural reticence and 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 just not trusting medicine as a whole that needs to uh, be changed. I, I think that there's so many causes here. Uh, uh, the, I think the first cause is let's just be uh, real here. Uh, when we look at healthcare providers, uh, only 90, 93% of them are, are not of color. Um, you know, so, so the population has a tough time finding, uh, for whatever reason, they feel more comfortable going 
to a physician that looks like them and, and acts like them and can understand a little better. So they they are a little distrustful. They'll, they'll go to the doctor when they have to. But to do all this uh, well care, which is all the screening and everything that must be done to catch these cancers early and to catch these conditions early, a lot of that's not being done. And it really does matter that. if you're comfortable with your doctor. And if that's, if that's an aspect, then yeah, that really, really has got to matter. That, you know, it's somebody that's familiar to you that you can relate to. That's key, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, well, so let me give you my, my, um, my thoughts on this. I think, first of all, we have to remember that guy, gastroenterologists, GIs are not the first touch point that patients Correct. encounter, right? Good yeah. point. Okay. I think it's like, it's an echo chamber because they're only talking about it amongst themselves. Look at the meeting that they're going to. Asco GI. Mm-hmm. Primary care doctors are not going to be there. NPs, PAs, pediatricians, gynecologists, these are the first touch points. And this information is not being uh, dis- uh, disseminated to, to these doctors. I also think that, you know, I think a lot of uh, these GIs, I think that their eye is on their bottom line and not necessarily on saving lives. I think in general, obviously, they don't want people to die. Right. But I also think that this is like an unprecedented time in GI where these people are making money hand over fist. And I know that's very unfair to say. You think there may be a conflict of interest they don't realize? Uh, Not a conflict of interest so much as that they are used to doing things the way they've always done things. They've never felt the need to do outreach because that's not their bailiwick. Their thing is not outreach. Their thing is you should know that you have to see your, your gastroenterologist. You should know that you have to get this test. And the other blind spot that I think they have is that they don't necessarily promote other means of screening. Like for example, nobody's talking about doing CT colonoscopies. There's not enough push for Cologuard. These are screenings that people would much more easily do rather than prep for you know, the surgery kind of aspect of having mm-hmm. like a full colonoscopy. Cause that's like, that's like a whole day. And then you need another day to recover from that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of lower income people don't have that kind of time, but yeah, if you, you give them a prescription the for like, if you give them a prescription for like, um, you know, Cologuard or what's the other one fit DNA, yeah. they do that at home. And then okay. they would drop that in the mail and then they would know, oh my God, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, something came back, this, this, something came back. Okay. Now I know I've got to follow up. But they're not empowering um, the first touch point doctors, I think, with this information to disseminate to patients. And so that has created uh, this kind of, of this, this knowledge gap. Well, you know, let, let's look at the entire practice of medicine in the United States and how it differs with, with countries yeah. that, in, you know, we, we looked at, at life expectancy last week and we, we were like 20th. And some of the things that- Wow, those are, are you kidding me? That's wow. Shameful. Yeah, that's it, shameful. it is. And some of the things that, you know, I've worked in marketing campaigns for, for other countries outside of the United States. And yeah, there are oncologists outside the United States in that area of specialization, but there's not 26 medical specialties like there are in the United States. So in the United States, there's no one doctor that takes care of the entirety of you. The right. closest is your GP and FP. Right. And they or your NP. Yeah. Or your or, PA. Or they pass you down okay. an NP and a PA and lots of luck. 
Right. Even though, you know, no. when I say lots of luck, I say that's that not a knock on them. Right. Because in a lot of times they, they spend more time with you and more care and actually yes. into things. But you know, GP and FP is not educated in in a lot of these things. Their, their education and their standards and what they look for is just basic health screening. It's the, the stuff that you go and, and just get a Quest test and they look at your lipids, your cholesterol, the, your sugars, this and that. Just your obvious thing, your weight. Yeah. They 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 make sure you're not like turning yellow or something in their office or <laughs> unhealthy shade or or look like a zombie and and they send you off on their on your way. They're not there to be your health or longevity consultant. In other countries, that's not true. That doctor will look at the entirety of you of you because that doctor may serve in a lot of other specialties. There's some mm-hmm. specialties are just not there. Yeah. Um, you know, they some, call them general practitioners. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Ophthalmology might be a bit to the side, uh, OBG, PED, uh, oncology, and that's it. You know, you don't, you know, but I'm including pediatricians in this also because a lot of young people now are developing cancer is very right. much younger than, yeah. than previous generations. So pediatricians need to be in this mix yeah. also. So, so with what that, to look for. Yeah. And, and remember we talked about fast food uh, earlier and yes. reeling over. Um, I know a, a lot of this <laughs> is like fast food. We're going to McDonald's of healthcare. When we go there, you know, it's like you do this, 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 and this. I got 15 minutes for you. And I'm going to see if you're lucky, if you're lucky. And that includes giving you a list or or reading disclaimers. There's just not a lot of time. And and the numbers are just too staggering for that physician to do a better job than what they're doing. Now, this is not a knock on the physician. This is what they're trained for. This is what they're paid to do. This is what they're expected to do. The insurance industry here has set it up that way. It's what, what's reimbursed, et cetera, et cetera. These physicians, in terms of paying back their student loans. Yeah, that's are, crazy. Yeah. Astronomical. If they're independent in, in terms of paying their office staff, their overhead, they Who, don't see Who's independent hours. anymore? Who's independent anymore as a GP? That's crazy. Well, there are still a lot of them that are independent or they're part of a practice well, where it's a okay, that makes, it's like a yeah. group of doctors partnered together to have a practice. Yes. Right. Either all the same specialty or, or different specialties, or, you know, yeah. you know, and that's and those are kind of almost becoming now the new urgent care centers. Um, so it, it depends on how they they gang up. But, but getting, you know, starting to turn the road back to disparities. A lot of this is controlled by the insurance companies. Now, okay. unfortunately, the higher, remember the, the more money you make, the longer you live? Yes. Well, the higher your income, usually the better insurance you can afford. Right. If you can insure, and the better insurance you can afford, the more stuff that that insurance will cover. When you yes. go to the basic insurance that's provided to people, Either through the American Care Act, is that how we yeah, call that? Yeah, affordable, affordable care. Affordable act. care. Yeah, right. ACA. Most people opt for the lowest levels of, of that insurance, and it's only if you're working through an employer or if you buy other su- supplemental coverage can you start affording or even know about these things. They, the doctor doesn't even tell you about it because it's not covering your insurance, and they don't think you can afford it. Yeah. So, so you're in and you're out. 
you know, and, and out the door you go. I mean, you know, your, your Hyundai dealer does not tell you about the latest uh, development in Tesla's. Um, it, it just doesn't happen. Oh my God, that's so cold. I know, it, it is cold. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, AGT. There's a reason why I'm not, uh, I'm always getting canceled. Well, he's the dollars, dollars and cents man. I, I he's, he's not there, I think. Yeah. So, so, you know, you're, you're on the <laughs> testing is not available for the underinsured because I, I'm, you know, we don't have enough. It's data. not that it's not available. It's not offered to them. Right. And, and, you know, not enough um, data, genomic data has been done here to say, is it a racial difference? So I'm going to just completely bypass that analysis and say, okay, we know that you know the the underserved are are dying are getting more cancers and they their cancers tend to be a lot more severe etc cetera, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. Is it a genetic thing or is it an economic thing? So let's forget about genetics because we don't have enough data on genetics. We will at some point, but right now we don't. So let's look at the economy of the things. What's happening here is if you don't have the money, you're not finding out about your cancer until you have symptoms. That's yeah. usually a very, very bad thing yeah. because that, that puppy's been growing to where it would have been detectable mm -hmm. given tests for two or three years. Right. But you're only detecting the cancer after it's, asym it's symptomatic, not right. asymptomatic, but symptomatic. Right. So because you have symptoms, you've just lost two years. Those two years may be the important time to catch this puppy before it has other puppies. Right. You know, by the time you catch wow. it, it's already in stage two or stage three. The drugs are different. It's a much more acute care, and and your outcome is worse. Is a lot worse. Yeah. So, so time is of the essence. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's times of the essence. So I, you know, I I read a lot of these papers. I I I I went through it, and I know we have a few more to cover. But what I found despair, you know, what I found a bit of a despair in them uh, here was that. They all focus on what is, but none of them focus, not enough focused on what we should do about it. Yeah. What can we do about this? Also, can I just add in, how come these articles never include numbers about Hispanics, Native Americans, and Asian patients? Like what? About oh, uh, you said me, meaning as a Hispanic. Right, me okay. as a Hispanic. I, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I was about to say, what? Okay. Yeah. Well, you fill out when they ask you about race and ethnicity oh yes forms. I, do. I do too i fill mm -hmm. it out because i want it to be counted right to better reflect uh what's going on out there right do you think a lot of people are not filling that stuff well out? i remember some people saying they never fill that out or they put other like yeah, it's only now that i'm seeing hispanic and and i obviously hispanic has to be segregated by three types oh yeah yeah Okay. Because we have white Hispanic, indigenous Hispanic, and Afri what we call Afro, African Ameri Afro, Afro, Afro Latino. Yeah. yeah. Afro I did not see that listed on my on the forums of the latest thing. I think I had like white and then non-Hispanic white. That's the other thing. When you get into black, it's it's always black or African American. It's never like, you know, Afro Latino. No, I never saw that. I've never seen that. Yeah. Never. It's always black and white. So a lot of a lot of the data that we have are from tests that occurred you know, five, ten years ago. So because it's just an a, a aggregation of data. 
So it's only now that we're starting to do, you know, sub-segment things. And a lot of this started, let me tell you, it didn't start with medicine. A lot of this started with politics. And um, while ethnically and culturally, we still maintain all that. I speak Spanish with my mother. By the way, Louis is Cuban. But go ahead. Oh, you okay. didn't, yeah. you didn't, you didn't, no, you didn't say it. You didn't yeah. say it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I only speak Spanish with my parents and a lot of my close relatives. We speak in Spanish. But at the end of the day, I, I eat a, a mostly American diet. Uh, uh, you know, I blend in a lot differently. And, uh, you know, people may think I'm Italian or Greek or, or something. They know I'm from somewhere and I'm not from here. But they don't really know from where, uh, which is a lot different from some of the other immigrants and some of the other immigration waves that have been coming. You obviously know just by looking at them where they're from. So we blend it in a lot differently. So our experiences here in the United States are unique, um, unique to us. And we tend to vote uniquely. We tend to have our own diets that are a bit unique because they're a combination of both. And we have our own disease states that are a bit unique because it's it's not in one place and not in the other. So that would be our experience. But when you start checking these boxes, like where do you go? They, yeah. they, there's like 30 different combinations. It's like barely, white Hispanic, that's your box. Yeah, white we, we barely have time to do clinical trials with white and black. Yeah. If we're gonna do them, them for every flavor, and that's why I say the, these, and, and, you know, I, I'm a big, one day we have to just do a show on, on 21 and me and some of these genetic ah, That would be very <laughs> Yeah, but uh, probably do it sooner than later. But, but I thought you raised an interesting yeah. point, though, about the fact that, you know, they, that there's all this talk, but there's no solutions. Like what, you know, what can people do? What can people do, right, to... Mm-hmm. So is that because it's a meta-analysis? They're like, oh, we're just noticing a pattern. Here it is. Yeah, it's like Okay. Again, it's back to the, you know, the the, the article in the post with the the autoimmune, which I think is a huge leap forward that they're finally admitting it and saying it out loud. But then they're like, "Eh, you've got suggestions. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, well, it's a shame that people have to take these injections. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's like that identity theft commercial where uh, they, they find that you have identity theft, but then, you know, there's nothing done. It's like, oh, they just stole all your identity. Oh, my job is I just to tell you that, we, that your identity was By stolen. the way, you're not yeah. <laughs> yeah, and this is the same thing. Hey, you get cancer, but, you know, good luck. You know, I mean, they, there's nothing to be done about it. I don't think there's nothing to be done about it. And, you know, there is at least one conscious gastroenterologist and he's providing, wait for it, wait for it, practical steps to move the needle on health disparities in colon cancer screening. Yay! Yes. <laughs> so his name is Dr. Daryl M. Gray II. Mm-hmm. And um, 2020 data that showed non-Hispanic Blacks had a 20% higher incident rate of colorectal cancer and a 40% higher mortality rate from the disease compared with whites. Also, diagnoses among Black populations occur at a younger age and later stage of disease. Additionally, 2020 screening rates in federally qualified healthcare centers were only 40% among people aged 50 to 75 years magnifying how socioeconomic factors also play into health disparities. So according to Dr. Gray, at the patient level, colorectal cancer screening hurdles include 
fear, warranted distrust, cultural beliefs, education, health literacy, cost, comorbidities, and other priorities. He says, we have to recognize even as gastroenterologists who are gung-ho about colorectal cancer screening, our patients may have priorities of getting their kids to school, putting food on the table or the lights on that may compete with their ability to come into the office. At the provider level, lack of recommendations, lack of knowledge of guidelines, personal beliefs, support and resources, as well as bias and discrimination all impact patient care. He said, outside of colonoscopy, we are underutilizing, thank you, we are underutilizing the other recommended colorectal cancer screening tests. We also see that by race and ethnicity, compared to colonoscopy, we are not recommending as much stool-based testing to our diverse populations. This is going back to promoting options, but also improving accessibility and in accordance with affordability as well. Dr. Gray offered three steps to improve health equity of colorectal cancer screenings. Enhance partnerships with primary care, Mm -hmm. explore opportunities to improve your practice and recruit top and diverse talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I can attest to the lack of knowledge part when it comes to primary care doctors. I tried to explain to my doctor that African-Americans were at higher risk for right side colon cancer. Remember I was telling you about that? Yes, Jack? yes. And he just did not understand what I was explaining. He kept saying, I don't understand. It's a tube. How can, what, what do you mean right side? Um, wow. <laughs> that's when, by the way, that's when, so right side cancer is when cancerous polyps develop in the ascending colon or the right side of your uh, your abdomen colon. So if you put your hand on the right side of your abdomen with your right hand, that is going to be your ascending colon. And right down in that area um, towards the, the, the hip area, that's where a lot of those weird polyps uh, develop that a lot of doctors can't get to sometimes that they don't see and they miss those cancers in Black people. And that's what I was, was trying to explain to him. I was really worried about having the doctor uh, miss that. Well, thankfully he didn't, but in any event, I also think he's right about, you're not enough patients are informed about the less invasive options outside of colonoscopy, like CT colonography. I mean, you still have to do the whole cleanse and and make sure everything is clear and all of that. Until you mentioned it, I had never heard of it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like I was saying earlier, there's the stool test like Cologuard or FIT DNA. Mm-hmm. FIT stands for fecal immunochemical test. And I think GRs, I really think that, and this is not a knock on them. I think they're very protective of their turf. Oh, that makes I would, yeah. yeah, but you know, I, I also think that that having more GIs of color would go a longer way to getting mm-hmm. people of color, you know, over the goal line for screening. What do you guys think? Oh, absolutely. In agreement. I'm in agreement with that, definitely. And that guy mentioned cost. You yeah, know, time is is cost. Also, if you can't take a, take a day off from work, right? That's all under the category of cost, Anything because it, it, because with the colonoscopy, it's really kind of three days. So there's the day right. you have to prep the day before and clean everything out. Then you've got to be uh, sedated the day of, you know, in twilight for the procedure, and then you might have ill effects the next day. You might not be able to go back to work the next day. So that's potentially at least. That's a huge um, amount of time. Yes. A lot of people can't afford to take that, that kind of time off of work or Absolutely. they don't have the or away but, from their families. Because right. Or the structure to have someone yeah. else take care of their, their family for them 
to do that. Yeah, it's, it's like you have a choice. Either go to Disney World on your vacation and get a colonoscopy. And guess what? <laughs> that is a very easy choice. Sad, but, but true. that's how it is. Sad, how it yes. Is. Sad, but true. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, you know, so that's all we have for today. There are no easy answers. I wish I had some some good stuff to say. <laughs> some words. Well, whole foods eat more fiber and whole well, foods. Yeah. Some, that's some, it. Exactly. Some, is yeah. you have to take control of your own health. You can turn these things around. Eat more whole foods. And I know I sound like a preacher saying it mm-hmm. over and over again, but if you go to that supermarket. Try to stay in a, in the perimeter of the supermarket instead of going into the aisles. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a challenge. Why not try for one week? Try whole foods. Try to mm-hmm. get you know vibrant colored um, fruits, yeah. vegetables. See what that does for you for one week. And if you hate it, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, or you can say you don't have to like it. I do have to make a correction here. When we say whole foods, we don't say go to the store. No, I'm not talking no, about whole paycheck. We mean, we mean plants. Yeah. Yes. I'm not talking about the store whole paycheck. I'm talking about with a brand. unprocessed. Yes. I'm talking about food that came from the ground or came off of right. a tree. That's what I'm talking about when I say whole foods. If you go around the perimeter of any supermarket, you're going to have the produce section. You're going to have the meat section, and then you're going to have the uh, the dairy section. Those are the, the, the places that you want to, to um, spend the most of your money. And the rest of the, you want to try to avoid the aisles if at all possible. Mm-hmm. And I know it, it, it feels impossible, and it feels like there's no way to, to feed your family. But I promise you, if you mm-hmm. just try it a little bit, try to add some green to every meal. And see if you can't build a tolerance for that. I know it's not as yummy as like. uh, You don't have to like it. You just have to do it until you like it. Well, let's not make it sound like it's such a drag. I think salads are delicious. (laughs) Don't you think salads are delicious? Or do you? I love salads. I I do too. Don't make it sound like it's so drag, Jackie. Good (laughs) heavens, you're not helping. (laughs) I'm saying that. You know, you learn to appreciate it. It's going to be a bit of an acquired taste because it's not going to be as packed with that, that addictive flavor that fast food is going to have. It's not going to have that savory taste, but you know, it's about cleaning your palate and getting to a place where you start looking at the whole food that you have differently and turning away from true that's i crave salads now i crave them now and i didn't used to crave them and that's where you want to get to it in in your life so please people give whole food a chance you know it could mean the difference between having to rank with the gastroenterologist or not all right guys that's all the time we have i love you guys you're great love you guys all right (laughs) see you next week Bye. bye bye thanks for listening to urban health weekly today I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.